Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I am your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Janina Yates, who served in Botswana from 2012 to 2014 as a community capacity builder. Then, two weeks after she COS, she began a response volunteer position as a youth outreach specialist in El Salvador. We talk about her time in Botswana and El Salvador, the similarities, the differences, and why she decided to go from serving as a Peace Corps volunteer right into a response position in a different country. Without further delay, here is episode 29 with Janina Yates. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Janina Yates, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Janina, how are you doing? I'm great, Tyler. How are you? Doing very well. Very pleased that you could actually join me in person for an interview. I tend to like these a little bit more. Nothing against everybody who has Skyped with me. I appreciate your interviews and enjoy them very well. But it's just something more to to be, you know, sitting with the person, you know, looking at them at the in the eyes and, you know, sharing tea. We're having some lovely uh, green tea right now because it is... 20 degrees at best outside right now. It's absolutely frigid. I think the real fill is like negative two Fahrenheit. (laughs) A little bit different from the countries that we served in in Peace Corps. Uh, But to start off, let everybody know uh, where you served as a volunteer, what you were doing, and what else we should know about the countries that you spent uh, your time in as a Peace Corps volunteer. Of course. Um, So... I originally served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Botswana. I was a community capacity builder from 2012 to 2014, which just basically meant that I was working at a health post in a rural village. Um, And then at the conclusion of that service, I went straight to do Peace Corps response two weeks later um, in La Palma, Chalatenango, El Salvador. So there I was working as a youth outreach uh, coordinator. Both, both countries were incredible. Um, there were stark differences. Botswana, I lived practically in the Kalahari Desert. And in La Palma, I lived up in the high mountains. So it did get pretty cold up there. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and there were very unique experiences in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide, I guess, to do one Peace Corps response directly after your service? I mean, you said you did two weeks later. Yeah, it was two weeks. Uh, so, so why did you do that? And then also, why did you do that versus maybe, you know, extending for a third year? Because, you know, it seems definitely you wanted to continue service in some way. So you had a few different options. Why did you pick that? So originally, 
when I was accepted for Peace Corps, I was accepted to work in Honduras to do youth outreach. Um, and I had accepted all the, you know, I, I had accepted, I'd moved back home, sold my car, and I was ready to go to Peace Corps. And about a month before I was supposed to go to Honduras, they closed the program. And uh, I was given the option to either open my availability and go anywhere or um, wait until another Latin American post opened up. And so I kind of spent the weekend reevaluating why I joined Peace Corps to begin with. I've always been very drawn to Latin America. My mom's from Colombia and um, I study Latin American studies uh, for undergrad. So there, I had a little bit of a hesitance because I, I always wanted to go to Latin America and do development work there. But then um, when I was given this other opportunity and after reevaluating every reason I joined, I figured, you know what, let's just throw all airs to the wind and I'll go wherever they send me. So um, he, uh, my recruiter got back to me about a week later and said, okay, you're going to Botswana. You better start working in a clinic. <laughs> so um, I had never really worked in a clinic before. And I thought, okay, I speak Spanish. I speak Portuguese. Do they, do they speak Portuguese there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, a, a little bit of the population. And I looked up, it was like 2% of the population spoke Portuguese. And most of those people are from Angola or Mozambique. Mm -hmm. So um, so it was an adventure. And uh, I loved every minute of it. I soaked it in for what it was. But then when it came close to COS, the close of service, I was kind of drawn back to that, my passion in Latin America. And I was like, looking up different avenues and options for after I finished my service. Uh, I had this big COS trip planned. And then I was like, you know what? Um, I had applied to grad school and I got into American, which was really exciting. But then I, this position opened up in El Salvador for a youth outreach coordinator position. And it just so happened to start directly after my service. So in the time, I had no real other option. I applied almost out of spite of someone who told me, oh, nobody gets into the Peace Corps response. But I applied and I interviewed and boom, I got it. So I put grad school on hold. I deferred for a year and I went straight in to response. Wow. So, I mean, so <laughs> is the timeline, you, you see US, you land back in the US you're here for, uh, I guess, just, just two weeks, you know, two weeks, back home yeah. and then, oh, back on a plane. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I, I was put on administrative hold mm -hmm. uh, with Peace Corps. So I was still officially with Peace Corps during those two weeks. But yeah, mm -hmm. it was back to back. What, how was that transition? I mean, were you in a mindset of sort of the Kalahari Desert health health volunteer and then transitioning to the, the youth volunteer Uh what were the, the difficulties of, of making that transition over such a short period of time? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, even though I was a health volunteer in Botswana, I mean, many people know you wear so many different hats. I've always been drawn to youth development. So um, I would do health talks in Botswana and I worked primarily with the junior secondary school doing, um, you know, HIV AIDS prevention education, but always working with youth. So in that respect, I think the transition was a little smoother than I had anticipated because I got to El Salvador and I started, you know, I was ready to start talking about health. I was talking, ready to talk about condoms and, but that's, that's not what I was doing there. I was actually, we were trying to create vocational projects through music. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the fact that it was music, something I'm very passionate about, 
helped the transition. Although there were times that I found it a little bit more difficult because the way health is seen, especially in the international development, is much more respected, I think, than vocational arts mm-hmm. and, and things like music. So um, I found myself often having a hard time explaining my project during response than I did when I was in Peace Corps, which is really unique, I think, um, to that whole experience. Because usually in response, you know, you you go, you apply for a specific position, you usually work with um, a higher agency or a higher organization than uh, on the ground. But this one was a little different um, since we were working, we were trying to target primarily out of school youth. There were very few organizations that worked with those, with that subset of the population. Mm-hmm. How do you even, I guess, really target that demographic? Like, how do you go about targeting the out of school youth? It was really tough. Um, luckily, there's in La Palma, especially, there's a Casa de la Cultura, which is uh, the kind of like the community center almost. And it would draw different people uh, when it was open, but they didn't have it open very often. So um, that was part of my work while I was there was I was working with the local tourism organization and they would provide manpower pretty much or people to help us keep the Casa de la Cultura open. Um, I engaged much more with local community leaders. So we tried to do outreach through the church. Um, but then I, I found that more people were really drawn to, uh, like if there was a guitar class, it would kind of spark the curiosity mm-hmm. of those who've generally been forgotten by these in-school programs. So one of the questions that I always ask people is just, you know, what is a favorite Peace Corps memory? So either from your time in Botswana or El Salvador, or both, if you have a a memory from each of them, it's up to you. Do you have a a memory that really comes to mind when when I say favorite Peace Corps memory? So I have so many, but um, there was one in particular that uh, I find myself telling the story pretty frequently. Um, when I first got to Botswana, uh, I had I had a little dog that a woman from the clinic had given me and I used to walk with him. His name was Caesar. We used to walk all around the village just to get better acquainted and to understand a little bit more the lay of the land. And this woman, oh, just so you know, my, my name in Setswana in the local language in Botswana was Kitso. So everybody in the village knew me as Kitso. So Caesar and I were walking in this dry riverbed and I saw a woman standing there and she was motioning to me. She was saying something. And when I got closer, she was screaming, Kitso, Kitso, and motioning me to come closer. So I kind of just shrugged it off and I walked over towards her with my dog. And she was speaking in the strongest dialect of Sibirwa, which was the local kind of the tribal language of the area that I had ever heard. And I couldn't understand a single word she was saying. And I was just kind of smiling and nodding. And she motioned for me to come inside her, her rendezvous, the little mud hut where she was living. And I came inside, it was really dark. And there was like a mat on the ground and she was, she kept motioning to the mat. And I just thought it was like, you know, carpet or dried bean leaves or something. And then next thing I know, she reached down, she picked one up, She pulled a few things off of it and plopped it in her mouth. And I was like, oh, okay. And my dog kept trying to sniff it, which he was generally really well behaved. And so I I sent him outside and and she picked one up, popped off the legs and gave it to me. And I put it in my mouth and it tasted like chicken. And then I looked even closer and there are these tiny birds, swallows, baby swallows 
that um, she had dried out and boiled and they were sitting on her floor, just sitting there. And so I, I was just flabbergasted that I just ate a baby bird and um, she was just tickled. She was laughing so hard that I, I ate it and she grabbed the closest thing that she could find and started filling it with all these birds and gave <laughs> it to me. And um, I, I didn't know what to do with all these dead baby birds. <laughs> so I started, you know, I had this bag and I'm walking back to my village when um, the the children in my in my little compound came up to me and I opened the bag and they were freaking out. They couldn't believe that I had a bag of, they're called mashodwane. And they they were just stunned that a foreigner like myself, Lakoa, was eating mashodwane because it was so typical of the area. Mm-hmm. And they all just kind of sat there and watched me with mouths open as I popped off the beak and the legs and I put another one in my mouth. They're like, no, Kitsu, you don't eat the head. Then you'll start thinking like a bird. <laughs> and so... Um, I think that whole experience was just so symbolic of, um, I guess, Peace Corps in general, because it's, you know, I don't really know what you're getting into until you're doing it. And then when you are, it, for me, at least I was doing it just because I, I thoroughly enjoyed how excited everyone was that I was kind of in the mix and, mm-hmm. you know, just doing something very typical for them that they never would imagine a foreigner was doing. Um, so that that's the Mashadwane story in Botswana. <laughs> um, for for response, um, I think, th- th- and this is a common theme, I think, for, for many Peace Corps volunteers and response volunteers in general, um, where we had planned a huge event, huge competition, and nobody came. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, it was kind of, it was special in the sense that the family who had been helping me do recruitment for the week prior was so gracious and you know, they they even created a little award for the for the time that the choir performed for no one, mm-hmm. um, probably to make the youth feel good, but also to make me feel feel better about the fact that we had been planning this for weeks and um, very few people came. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, in response, so this was the thing that was a little more difficult about response uh, in Peace Corps. I had those moments. I had time to have those moments where I was able to engage with the community and go on these random walks. And I didn't really get my project started until year one um, because I had a lot of those exchanges. Response, on the other hand, was a little bit more difficult in the sense that even though I was working with an organization, I didn't have that trust and buy-in right off the bat with the community. Uh, So I had to earn it very quickly. Mm -hmm and kind of learn to circumnavigate to have events when you don't necessarily have the full trust in your community yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, since our PST or the, or the training time, instead of having two and a half months, we had two days. It's escaping me either. I didn't ask it. Well, I know I didn't ask it. We may have said it. How long were you response volunteer? 10 months. 10 months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I know it, it's either we're from three to a year, three months yeah. to a year. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So 10 months, 10 months. Yeah. Do you think you got to where you were at year one eventually, you know, in, in those 10 months or do you think regardless it takes a year? No, I, you know, I think I got to that point mm-hmm. much faster. Okay. Um, it was helpful that once I was able to establish myself as a credible source in the community um, and my host organization was really vouching for me. It really helped for me to kind of build that trust quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also helpful that I knew the language, I knew the culture, you know, I had a basic understanding of it. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's not, it doesn't happen automatically. You still have to work for it. Now, I, I also ask people uh, before they come on the show to just to get a sense of one of their, their least favorite memories. And the one that you shared, I, was, I, I find very funny. Uh, I'll let you get into your reasons for, for disliking it. But this activity in particular was one of my, I enjoyed it. This was a, a, a time each week for me to be very meditative and actually where I like fell in love with podcast because that, that's what I would listen to. And that's when I started listening to podcasts in Peace Corps. This activity in particular, you know, download a few, just take my time. And, you know, I was, because also I got to be out in the courtyard. My, so my family got to see me actually doing work, which rarely they didn't understand my work. So this was like validation of like, oh, Tyler actually works. Uh, but so what is one of your, I guess, least favorite Peace Corps memories? Hand-washing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... I hated it. Oh my gosh. It was, I would save an entire day to do it, um, as many do. And, and yeah, it, once I got the hang of it, I became more of a routine that I would look forward to just the alone time. Oh my gosh. But the curve, the learning curve to learn to hand wash was so I, I, tough. I don't think I actually ever learned. I mean, really? my, I mean, I got better mildly, <laughs> but like when the, like when my family would take over and like, they would actually do it. My, my clothes were spotless. The whites oh, were I so bright and beautiful. When I did it, it was like passable. It no longer smelled, but it was still dirty. <laughs> um, there's one story in particular that, um, kind of embodies my hatred of hand washing. <laughs> um, there, so volunteers in Botswana have this saying where Africa wins again, mm-hmm. you know, some days you feel like you're on top of the world and you're just con- completing all your projects. Other days, it seems like everything around you is kind of beating you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was our, our theme Africa, you know, on that day, Africa wins again. So on this day in particular, it had been just weeks long of, you know, we had no water. Um, we had very little electricity or network and there was no cars coming through. So it was very difficult to go to the shopping village. And I had procrastinated for so long to do my laundry that I had mountains of laundry. Um, and I woke up one morning and it was, I think it was a Saturday and the water was running. I had running water in my house and I got really excited. I was like, okay, you know what? This is going to break, this is going to break the Africa wins again streak that's been happening. So I filled up my whole tub and I did all, I washed all my laundry. It was so exciting. Uh, and I felt really energized. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to wash my sheets. I don't think I had washed my sheets until that point. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I was like, yeah, I'm going to wash my sheets today. And so I grabbed it all. I was so motivated. I sat there and I scrubbed it, scrubbed it until my knuckles were raw. And I go outside and I'm hanging up my sheets on the clothesline. And then I, I made it about you know, three sheets in and I went to hang my blanket and I clipped it on. And right as I turned to walk away, the cord snapped and everything fell into the dirt into a huge pile of mud. And so I was getting really frustrated at this point. I'm like, okay, you know what? The clothes are dry. It's fine. I'll just scrub this again. So then I took it all inside, put the muddy pile into the tub and I filled it with the water again. And I just kind of stomped around in it. I didn't want to scrub it this time. And I go outside and I'm fixing the wire and I'm pulling on it to make sure that it doesn't snap again. And I'm, I'm triple quadruple knotting it and pulling it and pulling it. And it wasn't, it was fine. So then, um, I rinse out all the muddy water for the sheets and I didn't even care if there were stains on it from the mud. Cause I was just so frustrated. And 
at this point, I had kind of created a, a spectacle in my little compound area. <laughs> Everyone was coming by to watch what the Lakoa was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, that, that must be how they do laundry in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, um, so then I grabbed the whole pile of blankets and sheets and everything. And, and it's super heavy at this point. I'm just dragging it out. And after every single sheet that I put on there and I put the clothespin on, I'm pulling it to make sure that it doesn't snap. And I wait and it's not snapping. And so then I put another one on, pulse, wait, no snap. And so then finally I, I put the blanket in the middle to make sure that it wasn't too heavy on the top. And then I put the last sheet on the top and I pulled, pulled, and it was fine. And then I went to go put the last clothespin at the top and I couldn't reach it. So I grabbed this little cement block that was next to my garden and I put it down. And when I stood up on the cement block, I went to go reach up there and the crowd that I had summoned uh, started applauding because I had <laughs> finally got my laundry hung up. And I, I kind of l- turned to wave. And when I waved, the cement block doubled over underneath me. My feet went flying forward. I landed on my back and everyone just shouted. And then I looked up and the cord snapped, came falling <laughs> on top of me. <laughs> and I, I couldn't, I just started bawling. I just left everything kind of thrown on the ground and I just went inside and I didn't leave for like a day because I just, I couldn't. <laughs> um, but, but the, the family in the next compound over, uh, when I finally did resurface from my house, <laughs> Um, I had found that all of my sheets and blankets had been washed spotless and folded on my front doorstep. Mm -hmm. And then um, the woman, Lorato, she came over and she was just like, let me teach you how to wash clothes. So I think from that point forward, I I learned a couple tricks and it got much easier. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely made straight. As, as I was listening, I was like, please don't snap again. Just, just no, something's going to happen. And then when you fell, it's like, okay, she just falls. And then it snaps. I'm like, well, damn, like yeah. that is, that is a story right there. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're now, and another thing I ask is, you know, something people learn. So other than hand-washing and properly <laughs> hand-washing your, your clothes, which you probably don't use too much in, in the U.S., maybe you do. Uh, maybe you fell in love with it. Now that's the only way you swear by it. Uh, but what what is something that you learned uh, from Peace Corps uh, that you carry with you in day-to-day? Um, patience. Patience is something that I've really cherished from my Peace Corps days. Um, I kind of learned to really refine my patience. And then also just the fact to enjoy the little moments. Um, I think that hand-washing story in and of itself, I mean, it only took like a couple hours, but it was really in those little moments where I I learned to really come into myself and and learn more about the world. Um, I'm going to tell another story. I'm sorry. So there's, um, there was another day where we were in, you know, it was just a regular day. There was nothing special about it. Uh, I had worked at the clinic, came back to my compound and my, my, the family in the compound next door was kind of cooking over a fire. And I was just sitting there and I, I was kind of realizing how beautiful everything was around me. It was just, it was nighttime. The stars were out. There were no, there was no electricity. So there were no lights and it was just spectacular. And the kids were playing and laughing and the fire was crackling. And I was like, I really was appreciating the moment. And I think that I, that was the first time in my life where I had really had the opportunity to pause um, and appreciate what was around me and how it was changing me. 
No, no, definitely that those just the time that Peace Corps affords you to really reflect and slow down from that sort of go, go, go mentality of America and just to sort of, you know, take it all in. And it sort of feels like it all turns on and like, it's like going from black and white to color. Like you just yeah. see everything. It's like, oh, I actually see the world around me right now. It's, it's like true. pretty amazing. Definitely. Now, what do you what do you miss about Peace Corps? Maybe it is that and having that opportunity to slow down. Or is there there's something else that you miss about your time uh, either in Botswana or El Salvador? Above ev- anything and everything, I really miss the people. Mm-hmm. They were really what made the experience for me and you know, who kind of keep making the experience because I'm still able to communicate with them and share stories with them. So definitely the people, first and foremost. And I, yeah, I do really miss kind of the slow pace at which everything went. I think in El Salvador too, uh, everything in the mountains was, oh, you know, it will be. If, it, if it's meant to be, it will be. So that was really, really beautiful. Now, did... Uh- Either of your experiences sort of, I guess, shape uh, your life post-Peace Corps? I mean, like, how, how are you maintaining, you know, th- those things that you learned and appreciated in the United States? Or, I mean, for me, I know that I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of them and, and trying to figure out ways of, like, how do I stay connected with my community and practice patience and slow down and appreciate? Uh, how are you weaving that into your day-to-day life here in the U.S.? Uh, it's a great question. So um, I actually, I work for uh, an international development consulting firm. Luckily, I have a lot of opportunities to engage with the whole company since it's a smaller company. And so what we've started doing, what I've really, really kind of drawn people to start doing is we do meditation every Friday. And a lot of it is just kind of focusing on being present, just focusing on your breath and being in the moment. We do yoga every other Thursday. And that's an opportunity to just, you know, engage with the people who I see every single day in a very different way. Um, That's allowed me to pause a little bit more during such a stressful workday. Taking the Metro and listening to podcasts is a really another, another really great way to kind of bring me back to those days of just sitting on buses for hours and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just listening to different stories and it's I'll sometimes be listening to stories that make me cry or make me laugh or do the same in a couple of minutes. And I look like a crazy person on the Metro. I've been there. <laughs> and um, for me, it was a tough transition coming back because even in El Salvador, uh, people say hi to one another. They greet one another. And, um, you know, if you could just start talking to somebody and it's not a problem, but I think in DC, it's a little different. Uh, if you smile at someone or you just start chatting them up on the metro. They think you're a little cuckoo. Um, (laughs) But I think it's being able to kind of strike the balance and see who uh, you can engage with. The Peace Corps community here especially uh, is a really great opportunity to share stories, listen to stories, and um, kind of feel crazy together. Mm -hmm. So that's been another big help as well. No, definitely. I mean, out of all the places to... uh, return to relocate to after Peace Corps. I mean, DC is, is one of the best places to be tapped into that, that Peace Corps community. But there are, since I've been doing this podcast, I've tried to be in touch with all the different communities around the United States and there's tons of them. So if you're a return volunteer or a volunteer who's currently serving, you know, when you get back, like find that community to, to connect to. I think it'll really help you sort of 
keep that Peace Corps ideal alive. Definitely. And you'll realize even though you served in two different countries, worlds apart from one another, you still have so many stories to share and things that you share in common. Oh yeah, most definitely. Now, I usually like asking someone a a favorite quote or or saying uh, to share. Now, do you have one that you would like to share uh, on the podcast with our listeners? Absolutely. Um, In Setswana, there's a phrase that's called kiteng. And it really means, uh, literally, it means I'm here. Um, Reteng means we are here. And so I learned it pretty quickly because, you know, you'll hear it everywhere when you're in Botswana. Like... If people ask, how are you? You say, oh, I'm here. Um, but, you know, where, where where do you plan on going? Oh, I'm here. And it was just a, just kind of slid off the tongue at first. Oh, good thing, good thing, good thing. But then once I got to El Salvador, and then even after that, I kind of realized good thing means a lot more than just I'm here. It means that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm present. I'm in the moment. I'm experiencing this all. Um, I'm not sure that it's always meant that way. If you're like, oh, how's it go? You know, how's it? Oh, good thing. It, it's just mentioned in passing, but it's actually really meant a lot for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a really beautiful phrase and saying, and I still say it nowadays um, and explain the origin of it and what it means. Cause it's, it's a really important phrase. I think mm-hmm. that we need to adopt and share and mm-hmm. get thing. Yeah. Well, I thank you very much for being here with me today and being present and sharing your stories uh, with everybody who's listening. Uh, I immensely enjoyed them, especially, I mean, the clothesline story <laughs> is absolutely amazing. Just thank you. Is there anything else that you want people to know before we uh, close out the show? Uh, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. Um, I think that if response is something that people are interested in exploring, it's a really, truly rewarding experience. It's similar to Peace Corps, but vastly different. So um, if you're interested in pursuing response, I think it's definitely something to look into. Try speaking to another response volunteer or a recruiter who's familiar with the response, um, because it's as I said before, it's it's a much more expedited process, but you learn um, different values, I think, when it comes to international development and, and you get to really explore your passions kind of a little bit more in depth if you're a specialist in something, um, and something comes up. Well, once again, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your Peace Corps story with everyone else. Great. Thanks for having me, Tyler. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you want to see the show notes and the photos from Janina's story, head on over to MyPeaceCoursStory.com. If you like this episode and have liked other ones, make sure you actually subscribe to the show. Whether you're using iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or any of the other great podcasting apps, be sure you subscribe so you get a new episode every single Tuesday. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?